Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Welcome to Pursuit of God 2021. Um, our theme for this year, A New Day of Destiny, should excite you as much as it excites me. So, Father, we thank you for Pursuit of God 2021. We are certain, Father, that you ordained it. You gave us this theme, A New Day of Destiny. And we are certain, Father, that we will see the fruit of this theme in our lives as we come gather each day to sit on thy inspired teaching, to worship you, O God, as we are led in worship by our, our own worship ministry, the tribe of Judah, and those that are coming, brothers and sisters, to be a blessing to us in this area uh, as they lead us in worship. We are certain, Lord, that you will hear our cry as we gather together corporately to lift our voices to you in prayer. Father, we know, God, that at the end of these 21 days, as we stay in that place where we put our bodies under subjection by fasting, O oh God, to allow, O oh God, you to do what you have purposed to do in our lives, our lives will never remain the same in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, I want to start um, today by sharing a word around our theme a new day of destiny. A theme that we are certain God gave us concerning this 21 days. And our foundation text is taken from the Songs of Songs, Songs of Solomon in some Bibles, the second chapter and the 13th verse. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. To give it a bit more context, I would love to read the preceding three verses, verses 10, 11, and 12 from that same chapter, Songs of Songs, the second chapter. The one I love calls to me, Arise, my dearest, hurry, my darling, come away with me. I have come, as you have asked, to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear 
the queen of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Now the songs of Solomon, songs of songs, is a very captivating book in the Bible. Some schools of thought think it's literal in its application, which means that it is really what it seems to say, um, and it's really about passion, romance, and a relationship between a husband and a wife, uh, male and female. But some school, some other, the other school of thought thinks it's not literal, it's an allegory. It's, some, it's written as some sort of metaphor, and that it's not really talking about, in the, in the literal sense, the relationship between a man and a woman, um, romance and passion, uh, but it's talking in a metaphorical sense as an allegory about our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I believe both school, schools of thought. I believe there's a literal application in the songs of songs. I believe there's so much there that can enrich a marriage relationship between a man and his wife, husband and wife, a man and a woman. I believe that there's so much there that can enrich that marriage relationship. There are loads of lessons to learn as to how to be romantic, how to release passion, how to keep the fire in a relationship burning and burning strongly. But I, and I also believe that it's an allegorical book. I believe it does talk about our relationship between us and Christ. It does encourage us in that relationship. Give us, it gives us pointers and tips and nuggets as to how we can strengthen that relationship and deepen that relationship. And as we read the, that scripture, that's our foundation text, as we read it in, in the context of our theme, that is really a phrase that is taken from that scripture, a new day of destiny, there are certain things that jumped out at me about this new day of destiny. For the scripture says to us as it starts, our foundation text, can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? And I want to say to you that I believe with every fiber of my being what that scripture has said, that there is a new day of destiny that is breaking forth around you. My prayer is that you will discern it so that you can align yourself with it so that God's plans and purposes for your life can come to pass. There is a new day of destiny that is breaking forth around you. And there are some things that jumped out at me, some things that I believe the Spirit of God drew my attention to about this new day of destiny that I want to share with you. I believe these things, if we imbibe them, 
if we pray them through, if we commit uh, to, to, to doing what we need to do to bring them to pass in our lives, I believe these things prepare us for that new day of destiny. The first thing is that the new day of destiny is one of a greater intimacy with God. It's really about the pursuit of the presence of God. The scriptures bring this home to us. The language is very clear. The Bible says, Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. Listen to the scriptures. The one I love calls to me, Arise, my dearest, hurry, my darling, Come away with me. I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. It speaks very clearly about an intimate relationship. An intimate relationship between the one who is loved and the lover. It speaks about an intimate relationship a deeper relationship between us and God. It really spoke to me about the pursuit of the presence of God and how we must prioritize that presence. We must seek it, hunger for it, thirst for it. It must become the, thing that, the one thing that matters, that presence of God. We've been talking about entering the promises of God as a church on a journey. And the graphic picture that comes from the instruction of God to Joshua in Joshua the fourth chapter, that he was to tell the children of Israel they'd never been this way before. The only way they were going to find their way into the promises of God was that they keep their eyes on the ark of God. The presence of God was going to, be, going to go before them. The presence of God was what mattered. If you lose sight of the presence was the instruction to them, you will get lost. And as we enter and press into a new day of destiny, may the presence of God become the priority of your life. The psalmist says in Psalms 25 verse 14, I'm reading from the Amplified Classic, the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship Him. And He, shall, and he will show them His covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord, that becomes our priority. That sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord. And it comes because we fear Him, we revere Him, we worship Him. And it has results because we do, because we seek that presence, because we, we, we worship Him, we fear Him. We revere Him. We prioritize Him. We don't want to go without that presence. The presence becomes all that matters. We will do anything for that presence. And we will avoid everything that will cause that presence to lift. Because of that, He will show us His covenant and reveal to us 
It's deeper inner meaning. I love the way the Passion Translation puts that scripture. It says there's a private place reserved for the lovers of God. There is a private place and it's reserved. Not everybody who goes to a church is going to go into that place. Not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is going to go into that place. It is reserved. And you know what a reserved place is. You go into certain functions and certain areas are reserved. Everybody can be in the building. But then there are certain rooms that are reserved. There are certain tables that are reserved. And it's reserved for some people. There's usually something that qualifies someone to be in the reserved room or the reserved table. With God, the qualification is that they are lovers of God. Now, when they get into this reserved place, the Bible says, that scripture, that they sit near him. There is a proximity to him. They are, they are close to him. And that's really what we want as we pursue this intimacy. A closeness to God. A proximity to God. Of course, if you desire that, you know there are certain things you don't want to do. There are certain places you don't want to hang out in. There are certain relationships that might have to go because those relationships are jeopardizing the privilege of being able to sit near God. There are certain relationships that are toxic. There are certain relationships that constantly lead you into sin. There are certain decisions you have to make because you understand that the priority is the presence of God. What a privilege to be able to sit near Him. And what a privilege that as a result of sitting near Him, you can now receive revelation secrets of His promises. The message translation of that scripture says, God friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones He confides in. In this new day of destiny, we want that to be our portion, that God confides in us. He reveals deep things to us, exposes the inner meanings of things that are happening in our lives, in our families, in the church, in the nations to us. But that comes because we have paid the price of that friendship to be allowed into that reserved place, to sit close to Him, and as a result, to have Him whisper into our ears. The psalmist captures this hunger for, this, for intimacy in the Psalms that we love, Psalms 42 verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? It is obvious that this is not religion. This is not dry. It's not tedious. Those are characteristics of religion. It's not mundane. It's not scripted. It's not safe. And it's not very predictable. I believe that in this new day of destiny that God is tearing up the old scripts I am certain that God is tired of mundane religion, of songs that don't come from the heart, of us going through a routine, 
ticking the boxes, attending just because we want to attend. I, I believe God is looking for the passion that is described in those scriptures in the songs of songs. Passion in our worship. Passion in our pursuit of Him. Passion in our relationship. Passion as we read the Word of God and as the Word of God comes alive. I believe it is that passion that will usher us into a place of intimacy with God. In that scripture that I just read, Psalms 42 verses 1 and 2 from the Passion Translation, listen to this scripture. I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts and pants and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. You know, sadly, this doesn't describe a lot of the church today. We have got used to programs and we have got used to uh, our, uh, our, our structures. We have so structured ourselves that it, might, it, might, it seems like we have structured, structured the Spirit of God out of the church. May God take us back in our private lives as individuals. May God take us back as the church to a place of passion. May we worship God and our hearts tremble. May tears run down our, face, our faces as we worship God. May we read the word of God and, and it stirs up something in us. May, may, may we come together and it's obvious that there's life there. It's pulsating and, and, and it's throbbing. May, may we break out of the constraints that we have put upon ourselves. May we enter new expressions and new depths as we pour out ourselves before God. May we be like what is described in the songs of songs. May we genuinely become lovers of God and learn to pour out our love for the one that we love. We must in this new day of destiny pursue the presence of God, pursue intimacy with God. Number two, the second thing. The second thing is that, 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 that the Holy Spirit brought to me is that in this new day of destiny, there is an urgency. The scriptures that we read in Songs of Songs speak of that urgency very clearly. Listen to them. Hurry, my darling, come away with me. The Bible says in verse 10, Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to a higher place, it says in verse 13. I pray that we will see through that old trick of that defeated foe, Satan. He has become an expert in encouraging lethargy, procrastination, a sense of stupor, a torpor, an apathy. So much so that there there are so many in the body of Christ that are walking around in some sort of zombie state. The sense of urgency that characterized the early church, we must admit, is gone. We are urgent with regards to other things. We are frantic and frenetic in, this so in the so-called rat race. We are urgent sometimes with our careers. We are urgent sometimes with our businesses. But when it comes to the things of God, 
you and I must admit that there is a lack of urgency. There's just some sort of laid-back approach to the things of God, and we must chastise ourselves. As Deborah sang about the roles the tribes played in the battles that brought victory to Israel, her testimony of the tribe of Reuben stands as a warning to us. In Judges, the fifth chapter, verses 15 to 16, the Bible says the princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak rushing into the valley. They were the princes of Issachar who understood, as you know, the signs of the times and knew what Israel should do, the Bible tells us, is their testimony. They understood that in this time of war, it isn't a time to be lethargic or to put procrastinate, put, put, put to tomorrow what should be done today. It isn't a time to walk around in some sort of zombie state, in some sort of stupor. It certainly is not a time for apathy. And so the Bible says about the princes of Issachar who understood, and that is the testimony of the Bible, the signs of the times. They understood the times they were in and they knew what Israel should do. And I pray for that Issachar anointing on you and I. We must understand the times and we must know what we should do in our lives, what should be done in our families, what the church should do. We must know that that there is a sense of urgency that is necessary and we must act in that urgency. And so the sons of Issachar, the Bible testifies as Deborah sang her song. Deborah says they followed Barak. They went into war. war. They had purpose behind them. They knew what they had to do. The Bible says rushing into the valley. They were intentional. They were focused. They were circumspect. They understood that this is the time to get on with it. There's a sense of urgency with the assignment that God has given us. But then it says, but in the tribe of Reuben, there, there was great indecision. One of the older translations says there was, there were, there was searchings of the heart. She goes on as she sings, Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, she confirms, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. It was a time of war. The other tribes were taking their position. There was an urgency, and you can imagine it in your mind's eye. People were moving into positions. People were standing where they should, sharpening their instruments. Some had already engaged the enemy. Everyone was about their business, about the business of the Lord, about the assignment God had given them. But here was a whole tribe of Reuben. They were searching their hearts. Should we or shouldn't we? And if we should, how do we? And if we do, what are the consequences? And what will people say about us if we do? And is it the right time to, by the way? And have they counted the cost of it? And aren't they taking this thing a bit too far? Shouldn't, there be some me shouldn't we be measured in our approach? And if we go, what if some of us die? 
Uh, if, the, if they die, what are we going to do about And there were the searchings of hearts. And the result of that was an indecision. We're not sure whether we should go or not. In the heat of battle. And there are so many who are like that. There's a battle going on. It is obvious. There's a battle for the nations. It is obvious. There's a battle for the, the enemy is... Is, is standing in battle array against the church. Of course it's obvious. The gates of hell can't prevail against the church. The enemy wants to stop the church, the kingdom of God from advancing. It's obvious. We're in the middle of the battle. There's a battle in your family. Of course there's a battle in your family. The enemy doesn't want your, your, your family, your loved ones to be saved. He doesn't want them to fulfill destiny. There's a battle there's a battle raging around you concerning your own destiny. It's not the time for ruminating in your heart. It's not the time for searchings in your heart. It's not the time for indecisions. It's not the time to keep weighing things up and then weighing them again and weighing them again. It's not the time for that. It's a time for action. There is an urgency, a need to fulfill my, a mandate, a need to fulfill a commission. There's an urgency. Believe me, souls are going to hell while we, are, while we are searching in our hearts. And the enemy is an expert at, at telling us there is no urgency about the things of God. Take your time. It will be there next year. It won't be there next year. Next year, the things would have changed. And some of these things are windows that are open, a season of response, and we must respond in that season. Jesus puts it this way in John the ninth chapter and the fourth verse. We must quickly, and the, and the word to notice quickly, carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work quickly. And why I like that word quickly is this is from a man who was never hurried in anything that he did. He was so calm and measured and purposeful. But then he says concerning the work that we have been given, we must quickly carry out that task. Number three, the timing for the new day of destiny. The scriptures declare in a way that cannot be avoided that the time has come. In verse 13, it ends, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. In verse 10 it says, For now is the time, my beautiful one. The Bible lays down one principle that undergirds everything that happens here on earth. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter and the first verse. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. For everything, there is a season, everything, and a time for every activity under heaven. The two words 
that jump out at you are that word season, which speaks of a period, and then that word time, which could speak very clearly of a moment or a point in time, a point in time. Well, I want to say to you, you just have to have been, you are, you, it is so clear to me that this is the season for God to be doing, to do new things. He has spoken it prophetically. He has confirmed it in our lives. We have heard it over and over again. The Spirit has impressed it upon our hearts that this is your season and your time. It is your day of a new destiny. You have to embrace that, believe that, that it is my season and my time. It is my day of a new destiny. The psalmist says, as, as, as he brings this home to the nation of Israel, the sea, the, the, where, where, a place where the season and the time come together. And believe me, the season and the time has come together for you. The psalmist says in Psalms 102 verse 13, You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. I declare that to you, that the time to favor you, the time to favor his church has come. It is the set time. We are not just in that season. We are in that time. This is that point in time where tremendous favor comes upon the lovers of God. Tremendous favor comes upon those who have set themselves ap apart from God. Tremendous favor comes upon those who have committed themselves to God. Tremendous favor comes upon the church. Yes, it's the set time. The set time has come. I like the way the Passion Translation puts it. I know you are about to arise and show your tender love to Zion, the Bible says. Now, now is the time, Lord, for your compassion and mercy to be poured out. I declare that now is the time for you. Now is the time for us as a church. Now is the time for the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for his compassion and mercy to be poured out like never before. And the Bible goes on to say, The appointed time has come for your prophetic promises to be fulfilled. Oh, we have received prophecy. We have received prophecy after prophecy. Um, Chizo has, Pastor Chizo has documented the prophecy. She has kept prophecy that has been spoken over us as a church, spoken over us as individuals for years and years. We have the books and we are saying the time has come, O oh Lord, for what you said that we recorded in the books to come to pass. I declare over your life that the prophecies that have been spoken over your life Prophecies that have been waiting, hanging. I declare that this is the time, the appointed time, as the Bible says, for his prophetic promises for you, for your family. His prophetic promise, promises for the church. The prophetic promises that have been spoken about the nations. We have entered the season and we are in the time for those prophetic promises to be fulfilled. Can you not discern, he asks, this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? It's the season for the breaking forth of a new day of destiny.
Number four, the fourth thing that jumps out at me, fourth thing the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart, is that it's about God's purposes. It's about the destiny that God has for you and I. Can you not discern, the scriptures say, this new day of destiny breaking forth around you, the early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. At the start of the year, as we crossed over from 2020 to 2021, the Lord gave us a scripture as we crossed over, as we entered a new season, the season of 2021. And the season of 2020 was winding to an end. A season that had been a very tough one, very challenging one. A season like none other that we have seen in our lives. A season when some of us had gone through some serious challenges. Some of us had been, were sick as a result of the virus. Some of us are still dealing with the residue of that sickness. And I just want to declare that God will make you whole again. That is part of the new in your life. Some of us sadly lost loved ones, had to go through the pain of grieving, and are still in the process of grieving. As that season was coming to an end, we heard the voice of God. The Lord spoke to us clearly, an encouraging word for us with regards to the year that was ahead. And a word that really undergirds this word that he has given us about a new day of destiny. He said to us out of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter and the 11th, the 11th verse, For I know the thoughts and plans, this is the Amplified Classic, that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Such an encouraging word, that it is his thoughts. They are his plans. It is his purpose. He has the thoughts concerning you, concerning your family. He has the plans concerning you, concerning his church. And believe me, he has the thoughts and the plans concerning the nations. It isn't men that will determine the outcome of things in the nations. It is God who will determine it. That's why this scripture speaks the truth. Concerning his plans. Proverbs 19 verse 21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will, will prevail. The Lord's purpose will prevail. If that is the case, is it not better then to align with the Lord's purpose? To come alongside so that the Lord's purpose that will prevail will in any case prevail so that you can flow, align, be on the right side of the Lord's purpose. Now, this is not to encourage us into some sort of passive Christianity. No. Aligning with the Lord's purpose does not mean not doing anything. We have an active role to play. That's how God has arranged it. He has His purposes. 
He has his plans, but we are participants in bringing them to pass in our lives, in our families, in the nations, in the church. We are participants. We have a part to play. The psalmist highlights our role in Psalms 57 verse 2. He says, and I read the Amplified Classic, I will cry to God Most High who performs on my behalf and rewards me, who brings to pass his purposes for me and surely completes them. And God will do that for you. Bring to pass his purposes for you and surely complete them. And so the psalmist says, I will do my part. What is the psalmist's part? The psalmist says, I will cry to God Most High. If our role is to do that, to cry to God most high, then let us do that well. Where are the criers? How many things are delayed because there are no criers? How many things should have come to pass in my life, but I haven't done the crying that the heavens need for it to come to pass? And not crying in terms of shedding tears, but crying in terms of lifting my voice, calling unto God. Does he not say in Jeremiah 33 verse 3 that call unto me and I will answer. What an encouragement. All I have to do is cry. He tells me God makes a promise to me that if you call, I will answer. Have you called like you should? Have you called on behalf of your family? Have you called for those who are not saved in your family to be saved, to get to know Christ, not to end up in hell? Have you called on behalf of the church? Have you called so that heaven knows that there's someone on earth who's calling? Have you called as a result of the burden for the nation that is on you? Have you called for the United Kingdom? Have you called for the other nations that God has placed on your heart? I ask myself whether I have called for the United Kingdom. Have I called for Nigeria? Have I called for Congo? Have I called for Zimbabwe? Have I called for Ghana? Have I called for America? Have I called for North Korea? Yes, it might seem so hard, North Korea. But believe me, God says, if you call, I will answer. If there are enough of us who are calling, enough of us who are criers, enough of us who are not giving him any rest, enough of us who are, who are like the widow who refused to give the judge any rest, then I dare say God has to keep his promise and answer. Call unto me, he says, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things. A new day of destiny is a day for great and mighty things, but it must come from those who are calling from the criers. And so when we give the opportunity for you to join us to call at 6 a.m., join us to call at 6 a.m. for one hour. Join us to call at 12 noon for one hour. Join us to call at 6 p.m. And on Saturdays when we are calling relentlessly, we are persevering and pushing and, and crying from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., please do join us for it is, to tho it is those who call that he will answer. Number five, the last point. It is obvious that we must have faith for the new. Yes, God has spoken about the new, spoken about a new day of destiny. But it doesn't come on a platter. We have another part to play. And that part is to spend the currency of our kingdom 
And the currency of our kingdom that we spend is faith, that trust in God. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse, but without faith, it is impossible, impossible, impossible to please Him. We can't please Him because of our activities, no. The one thing that touches His heart is faith, that trust in Him. That's why the Gospels, the account of Jesus walking the earth is littered with many, many responses from Him because He saw faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. You're made whole because of your faith. Your faith has made you whole. He saw their faith as they lowered their friend, smashed the roof and lowered their friend just so that their friend could, be, could have an encounter with him and be made whole. It's the currency of our kingdom. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, of course, he must, you must believe that he exists, but then that he's also who he says he is. He can do what he says he will do. The God of the Bible is the God that we serve, not the God that we have created in the figment that's a figment of our imagination, not, a, not the God that has been created by circumstances, certainly not the God that others who don't know him say he is, the God of the Bible, he is, and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He is not a wicked God. That is not the God that we serve. You seek him, you find him. You draw near to him, he draws near to you. You turn to him, he turns to you. You come towards him, he comes towards you. The prodigal sons, the story of the prodigal sons tells it all. As the son runs, as the son comes home, finally turned away from, from the, his messy life, came to himself and thought, I'm going back to my father. He doesn't know what to expect. Will he be chastised? He comes with trepidation. But then as he comes and the father sees him, the father can't contain himself. He doesn't sit on a throne and wait for the boy to come, cowering and fearful. He throws away all the decorum of the king, all the decorum of the father. He throws it away. He's driven by his love and his passion. It's the love that, that drove his son to the cross. And he runs towards the boy, embraces the boy, did the boy do wrong? Yes, the boy did wrong. That will be sorted out later. In any case, for you and I, it's already been sorted out. Jesus paid the price. And he embraces him. That's the God that we serve. He's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Impossible for you to seek him this 21 days. You're fasting. You're praying. You're sitting under inspired teaching. You're pouring out yourself in worship impossible for this God that we serve not to respond. And the life of our Father in the faith commends this truth to us. In verse 8 of that scripture, the Bible says, Urge on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance. And he went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. A place that was destined, he was destined to receive as an inheritance, a new day of destiny. May God give you the faith to reach out and embrace what you are destined to receive. It's your destiny. The, the heavens have declared it. From the foundations of the earth, it was declared. It is your time. It is your season. 
Arise by faith. Step out of the boat. Walk on water. Trust God. Hold on to Him. Believe the promise. Believe the Word. Let the Word become your reality. Let it shape your life. Let it determine everything. And as you do so, as you lean on God, trust Him, hold on to Him, as you declare what He has said concerning you, as you act in faith, move in faith, I declare that the destiny that is your inheritance will come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Peter stepped out of the boat at the instruction of God, one word from his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, come. You have got more than one word. You've got so many words that have come to you in this season we are in. He had just one word, come. With all the words that you have, surely you can step out of the familiar. You can step out of the boat. Surely you can be bold and courageous to trust God. If God said he would, then he will do it. Step out into the new. Step away from the old. Step out into your future. Step out into the new day of destiny that beckons to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, may this word bear fruit in our lives. And as I come to an end, um, I would just love to encourage us to say a, a, a prayer or to pray about a few things. We just have a few minutes and I want us to just start this prayer and then you can continue it. Uh, the first thing I want us to pray for very quickly is for intimacy with God. I want you to pray that the Spirit of God will do a work in your heart, in my heart, that will be released from the shackles of mindless, numb religion, that the Spirit of God would set our hearts on fire for our Savior, that we will hunger for the presence of God. Father, we just want to thank you and bless you. Go on wherever you are in the world. It's a cry for intimacy. And no one can script that cry. Just from the depths of your heart, cry out to God for intimacy. It can be scripted and it can be choreographed if it is genuine. From the depths of your heart, God, I just want to know you more. I want to prioritize your presence. I want to hunger for your presence. Help me, O oh God. Give me ways, ideas, O oh God, Father, to cultivate your presence. Help me not to do anything, O oh God, that will cause your presence to lift, Heavenly Father. O oh God, set my heart on fire. Set my heart on fire for you. Let me burn for you, Heavenly Father. Father, hear my cry, O oh God. Father, I declare my deliverance from mindless religion, from the routine of religion, O oh God. I declare my deliverance tonight, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Set my heart on fire with a love for you, O God, like I have never experienced, O God. Father, I thank you. Sweet Holy Spirit, do a work in me, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'd now like you to pray for a sense of urgency to come into our lives, that the Spirit of God will energize us, body, soul, and spirit, so that we can do what we have been assigned to do by God. I'd like to pray against every spirit of lethargy and procrastination, every spirit of topo or, stu or stupor, 
every spirit that's trying to just hold a person down. And so, Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Go and lift your voices wherever you are and cry out to God. Father, I rebuke every spirit of lethargy, every spirit that is trying to hold your son or daughter down. I rebuke that spirit. Every spirit of lethargy, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I break its hold, O oh God, over that son and that daughter of yours. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by your spirit, energize us, O oh God. Energize us, O oh God, body, soul, and spirit, O oh God. Father, Give us, O oh God, the wisdom, Heavenly Father, to do the right things, to protect our bodies, protect our souls, Heavenly Father, to rest when we should, O oh God. Father, deliver us from the tyranny of busyness, Heavenly Father. Let us know that it's not a badge of honor to wear, O oh God. Almighty and everlasting God, let a sense of urgency seize our hearts, O oh God. Let the urgency drive us, Heavenly Father. Drive us to do what, we, what you have assigned us to do, Father. Father, we thank you and we bless you, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, amen. The third thing we want to pray for is we want to pray concerning the timing. And I want to read um, this psalm to you. And made from the foundation of, of our lives. Psalms, Psalms 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. May you meditate on those things that you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. No time to de delve into it deeply. Stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh God, Father, help us. Help us, help us. So that our delight is in your, in your word. Help us, oh God. Deliver us from that place where the word is dry, oh God. Help us so that our delight is in your word. And in this is law, he meditates day and night. The discipline and the commitment to meditate on your word. Father, let that discipline rest upon us. Of course, we have a part to play, but give us the grace to play our part. Heavenly Father, disciplined, O oh God, so that we meditate, we read, we study your word. That this will be our testimony. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Father, I pray, O oh God, that none of us, O oh God, will be out of season. That we will flow with the timetable of heaven. That it will happen at the appropriate time. That what you have destined for each one of us, destined for our, for our families, what you have destined for the church, that Father, we will not be late, O oh God. It will not be late, O oh God, in coming to us, Heavenly Father. That like that tree, O oh God, in this season, at the appointed time, we will bring forth the fruit that you have ordained. And Father, I declare as the scriptures say, O God, that our leaf shall not wither, O God. Father, it doesn't matter what is happening out there, O God. As we delight in your word, we are planted by the streams of living water. Our leaves shall not wither. And Father, as we yield to your spirit and you direct us, whatever, Father, we do shall prosper Open our eyes, O oh God, to discern what you're doing in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray, O oh God, that your purposes and your plans for our lives, for our families, for the church, O oh God, 
and for the nations will come to pass. We lift our voices, O God, and declare, Father, that the plans of men are canceled. The plans, O God, of our adversary, O God, can surely not come to pass, O God. Your purpose will prevail. Father, we speak into our lives and we declare, Father, your purpose prevails in my life in the name of Jesus. Your purpose prevails in this family. I declare over my family, O God, over every member of my family that your purpose prevails in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I declare concerning Jesus' house and you declare concerning your local church that God's purpose will prevail. I dismantle the purposes of men that don't align with God's purpose, O God. I dismantle those purposes as I declare that your purpose prevails, O God. I speak into the United Kingdom. I declare your purpose prevails, O God. I speak concerning the nation of Nigeria. Your purpose prevails. I speak concerning, O oh God, the nations of Africa. Your purpose prevails. I speak concerning the nations of the world. I speak concerning Europe. I declare your purpose prevails, Heavenly Father. O oh God of mercy, in Belgium, O oh God, the seat of Europe, I declare, Father, that it won't be the purpose of the enemy that prevails. No, Father, I declare that your purpose prevails, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask, O oh God, that you will give me, and why don't you ask with me, that God will give you the grace to cry out, that you will not tire from, from, from crying out, that you will be the, one of those who heaven will know. These are the criers. We hear their voices in heaven. I pray, Father, that your spirit of prayer will rest upon everyone who is on this platform now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that we will, like the prophet Elijah, we will tarry in the place of prayer until this new day of destiny is birthed and even after. And lastly, I want to pray, Father, that you will help us build faith, O God. It comes by hearing your word. Help us, O God, to read your word and hear it in our spirit. Help us, O God, to invest in hearing your word, O God. Help us, Heavenly Father, to trust in you, O God, to build our faith. Go on, why don't you ask for faith? And there might be faith that is needed for a specific thing. Why don't you ask God for that faith? the faith that is needed. Father, give us the faith of the father of our faith, Abraham, heavenly father. Father, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. And now if there's anyone you've listened, you've worshipped with us, um, you, you've prayed with us, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he is the one who guarantees us a new day of destiny. I would like to, the privilege of praying with you as you receive Jesus into your heart. You want to receive Jesus into your heart as, Lord, as your Lord and Savior. Why don't you just say this prayer, mean every word as you say it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus Christ. I receive him this day into my life as my Lord and Savior. I make a commitment to turn away from anything that is sinful as I embrace today a life of obedience to your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for receiving me into your family. I know, Heavenly Father, that by this prayer, I am now a child of yours, born again today, the 1st of June, 2021, into your family. Father, I thank you and I bless you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's it. If you said that prayer, you meant every word, it's done. Why is it done so simply? Because the hard work has been done by Jesus Christ himself. He gave his life for you on the cross, took on your sins, so that by saying that prayer, you can simply just come into God's family. Congratulations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope you were blessed by the word. I'm certain that you will be blessed by all the other teaching that is coming from some very inspired teachers. Please look forward to it. Amen and amen.